The Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one, the aforementioned uh, Shelley Carroll, budget chief and Toronto City Councillor Amanda Galbraith from Navigator and also the host of Free for All Fridays. And Pavan Brach is a serial entrepreneur in marketing, tech and real estate development, also a part-time farmer. Let's start with the story that I think is going to dominate possibly for years, because I don't know how long it's going to take to run this trial. But five former junior hockey players who are alleged to have committed a sexual assault in 2018 have been told to turn themselves in. Pavan Brach, I know they feel like they had turned the page at Hockey Canada, but this is haunting them all over again. Yeah, I don't follow hockey as much as others do, but I'm very sad for this whole process. I mean, that it's taken so long to get to this point. And I have to say, of course, the standard thing, which is innocent until proven guilty, which sometimes I think is being forgotten along the way. But I, I do I do want to say that I am completely, completely baffled by the London police and, and how presumably the Crown is handling this, that they're not going to make an announcement until February 5th. I just don't understand that. I mean, here are people's lives that are that are that are going to be on this in the spotlight. And I and I cannot understand why we can't have a clear statement of the facts, the charges and move on with it. Why we have to wait two weeks is beyond me. Yeah, Shelley Carroll, it does seem to be an illustration of how, well, this is different. You know, they're young hockey stars. They were young then. They're young stars now, some in the NHL. We have to handle this differently. Yeah, and I think uh, that sticks in the craw of a lot of Canadians. What we want to see is uh, is everything out in the open, and, and that's why it should be a, a, a matter for police and not just an internal inquiry. But I think February 5th isn't actually that, that far away now. I think what they want is to have them all in, having, uh, having uh, turned themselves in, and then lay it all out. Um, that's fine as long as they make haste in turning themselves in. And, and it's exactly that. They're, they're innocent until proven guilty, but let's get the process started. And so I, I hope that we'll see that happening today. I think it is going to be a zoo, though, because reporters, for example, and cameras are staking out the, uh, uh, the location in London, Ontario. So as soon as these people get out of a car, yeah. it enters the next chapter. Uh, Mayor Olivia Chow, sounding just a little bit exasperated, as she does from time to time, uh, disputing the idea that police are facing a budget cut. And I guess, actually, Amanda, I'm sorry to set you aside, but we do have the budget chief here, so I'll let Shelley Carroll go first on this one. Uh, who's right? Well, Amanda will know how this works. Right. Well, there are facts. We The only dispute here is the level of increase. They got a large increase uh, last year, but they are under complement, and we're trying to build it back up, so they need another increase this year. We're simply disputing the amount. 200 new officers last year and 130 new civilians to fortify things like 911 and other parts of it, and we're we're offering the same this year. Uh, the 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 issue here is that, she, that that is that the chief wants more than that. But while we had 200 officers last year, the amount of funds that we're offering this year would would allow for the same amount, and that's net new 
over and above replacing retirements. No one's asking them not to replace retirements. So it's net new, uh, that many officers, uh, two years running. And in a couple of months, they go to the bargaining table and they'll be negotiating a raise for all the officers, including right up to the senior command. And so what we're asking them to do is understand that while we're committed to safety across all of our first responding services, we have to do it in a multi-year complement management way because there's an impact the following year in the budget to all those new people that came in that year. We're just trying to afford the increases that we're making. Uh, and Amanda Galbraith, I realize we're in this period of time where department heads say, this is what I want, and the mayor comes out with her version of the budget on the 1st of February. But I think she kind of misplayed this. I don't know why she waited so long to make this point. Yeah, so it's it's interesting, right? If you recall, I mean, and it's done in, different mayors have done it differently. Um, like towards the end of Mayor Tory's administration, it was sort of like the budget was the budget, right? He'd work behind the scenes with staff and that was how it was presented and he went and pushed it along. Um, whereas this administration has chosen to present the staff budget, you know, I kind of like it, but I kind of don't support parts of it. And we'll see, and I'll have my own later. But now we have the mayor out defending this because candidly, yeah, the police came forward and said, this is how much I want. Um, the mayor's office said, or whomever, or like, no, you get <laughs> this much. Um, I do think it's a tough environment, candidly, to have a fight with the police publicly about this, given all the extra, like the lack of, you know, the response time. I think they're saying 23 minutes on average. Um, and and, and Councillor Carroll's right. They have had an increase. Um, but, you know, this is what the police chief's saying. The police chief's out saying, like, there's a risk to safety because of this. I think, candidly, publicly, it's a very difficult fight to have. I think the mayor can try doing it. Um, but, you know, also the idea that they go cap in hand to the province again, to me, is a bit of an on-starter. They've already kind of come up and really, I think, supported the city substantially in a variety of ways. And I can't imagine at this point, I mean, maybe the gambit with the feds will work, but... Um, thus far, there are no signals that that will happen. Yeah, and Pavan, Amanda was alluding to the messaging we're getting through commercials from the Toronto Police Association here on News Talk 1010. They're extraordinarily effective. I mean, basically the message is your child is missing and will stay missing. You are hiding in a closet in your house and you are going to be killed. Yeah, I heard it. I've heard those commercials over and again. They're quite effective, and and I also see the uh, the, uh, the the kind of Twitter release for where they say that they've only hired Toronto's only hired thirty seven more police officers since nineteen ninety nine, uh, which which doesn't stack up with some of the numbers I'm hearing this morning. You know, uh, but it certainly I I fundamentally have a question: Why is it still taking us you know people four minutes to get through to nine one one or whatever number of minutes? Because I've heard the stories over and over again, and and sadly I had to call 911 because our daughter was being harassed by somebody uh, you know on a downtown Toronto street during daylight and it took 4 minutes on hold and this is the channel to, to obviously to fire and to ambulance as well so I, I i do think the whole thing the whole process unfortunately needs to come back to the fundamentals of delivering net new officers and coverage and how much of these billions of dollars are going to that versus other things and you know it's it baffles me that we still can't answer 911 calls efficiently and quickly and I, I i'm standing here ready to be corrected but you know i've heard the story for for over a year now and it, and it continues to be a big question mark about what's going on over there that's why we're giving them more lots more
Okay. Yeah. Um, I hope uh, it makes it there. 911 is the state from the police, right? Like, they're two different services. Right. But, but but the funding goes through the police budget. So we gave them 20 okay. new 911 operators last year, and there's enough in their budget for, for the same again this year. So if it, things don't improve, I got some questions. Okay. Uh, a liberal MP said he thought that the party should have a leadership review process. He is now walking that back, denying that he thought that the process should apply to Justin Trudeau. Uh, but Amanda Galbraith, let me come back to you. Uh, you may get the same sense that I do, that they're starting to think that the House is on fire and every liberal MP is just sort of, I'm getting out of here, but the rest of you, I, you're on your own. Yeah, this reminds me like when clients come to me and it's like, you need to help us. And I'm like, well, the best we can do is save some pieces of furniture at this point. Like your house is like almost burnt down. So at least <laughs> um, they should like candidly, they should, she should have a review process in place just from a pure like democratic perspective. It is actually kind of wild to me that they don't like they appoint a leader and he gets to he or she gets to or they gets to be there forevermore until they decide they don't want to do it anymore. Like that's not appropriate and that's not consistent with other political parties. But yeah, listen, I think. I think Prime Minister Trudeau, with great respect to his service, is very well past his best before date. I think the government is entitled. I think you see it every day in how they behave in policy. Even the cabinet retreat, which some people are saying was successful, you know, they had a bunch of college, like university professors and fancy economists come and talk to them about how to deal with the middle class. Like, that's got to be the most out of touch thing I've ever heard. So I just. Yeah, like, like literally someone from U of T is going to teach me about the middle class, like Godspeed. Um, so I just think, you know, this guy's right, like this MP is right. Um, but then, of course, he got his knuckles wrapped, so he's backing it off. But um, one, yes, he's passed his best before date. Two, there's nobody in the wings, actually, that could carry it better than he in my opinion. And three, they should have a review process regardless of who the leader is. Yeah, Pavan, it's automatic in the NDP and the Conservatives, but not apparently for the Liberals. Yeah, they have uh, this Reform Act for the other two, and I guess the Liberals didn't opt into it, uh, but it, you know, it, it should be the case. And <laughs> oh, did we Oops. lose Pavan? Okay, yeah. Shelley. The message here is oh, sorry. Is. The message. The message. Sorry about that. Yes, uh, the uh, the message here is don't mess with Newfoundland. Uh, this, <laughs> this guy, Ken McDonald, broke the back of uh, of of the Trudeau government and the and the Minister of the Environment with that the, the whole carbon tax carve out. That that and he's spoken truth to power again, and uh, and he's been terribly successful at it here. I think. I, I, in fact, I think the retraction that came out uh, late, you know, in the in the night, uh, makes it look even worse. It looks like something written by the Kremlin. <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, he, uh, Mr. McDonald continues to love and respect the, pre the the prime minister. It's it's it really has pointed out a glaring issue here, and I think I think the message is out now. It's going to be hard to quell it, and it's entirely appropriate because uh, you know why shouldn't he face a review? And and to and to Ken McDonald's point, I mean they 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 just want to clear the air. He didn't say I want to get rid of Trudeau. He said let's just clear the air, and I think it's it's out now. Yeah, Shelley, I can only imagine the phone call that he had to take from the PMO. Yeah, but uh, you know they got to own up to it. it you know if you if you can't make people feel heard inside caucus then lips get loose outside of caucus and and it feels like that's what's happened here is that there's a frustration there's no way to look at this even informally inside caucus and so people tend to walk out the door and start talking
Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm sure that everybody in politics is aware that uh, everybody freelances. And so they have their journalists that they talk to on background and sometimes off the record, but they yeah. do freelance. Um, I want to, we don't have a lot of time on the clock, but since you're the budget chief, I wanted to take advantage of your presence and this new possible speculation tax on foreign home buyers for the city of Toronto, 10%. Uh, it could be moot because the feds have banned foreign buyers, haven't they? Uh, yes, and what this is, this proposal is that when that ban is over, um, we need a measure in place so that it doesn't just all come flooding back. Important to note that this is this is a policy piece, and this is about the housing shortage. It, it's it's not a form of revenue that's going to go on forever and ever. The the province is collecting one now, and as soon as they started collecting it, the amount dropped radically because it had the desired effect. People said, "Okay, well, if I want to own this." property, it has to be available for housing. And so I need a local entity to live in it or run it or rent it out. And that that was exactly the desired effect. So it's not a, a new tap we can turn on and count on permanent revenue, but it will solve this problem of a building sitting empty where people could be living. Okay. Pavan, quick thoughts. You are an entrepreneur. I am. I am. Listen, I you know I've talked to uh, talked to builders and developers, uh, you know, all the time, and and fundamentally they're check they're checking out of a lot of cities at this point in time. They, it is, it is the bigger issue versus uh, this kind this tax. This tax to me is a bit along the lines of virtue signaling. Uh, fundamentally, um, it is very difficult to build housing. It takes years and years and years. And you know, if a foreign buyer or any buyer wants to say, "Listen, I'm going to put you know a million dollars and build a condo," and you're not allowed to leave it empty anymore, so that argument of an empty building that the city might make or anybody might make is not valid. Um, you know, these are things that perhaps also have a positive impact um, on the amount of houses that are being built or condos that are being built. So I think I think the fundamental issue remains that that we have to make the system faster and easier to build, and it and it really is broken. Thank you all. We're at a racetrack. Pavan Brat, Shelly Carroll, Amanda Galbraith. Catch the roundtable. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.